you know, tensing, relaxing, because so often we get tense without even knowing it. You know, you ask somebody to tense their shoulders and they can't because they've already locked up so hard. So if you tense them and then intentionally relax them, that back and forth allows them to kind of let go. Hello, everyone. This is Nathan Long, president of Saybrook University. We're going to have a fun, light episode today with uh, our periodic guest now, Dr. Eric Wilmar. He's joining me today to talk about how to survive the holidays. But I loved how Eric put this. He said, it's not about survival. It's about thriving. So we're going to hear a few bits of wisdom from Eric today. I think you're going to really like some of the very practical uh, very doable things that he offers up in ways to cope, uh, to survive and thrive through this holiday season and beyond. And remember, breathe. Hey everyone, this is Nathan Long, president of Saybrook University. I'm here for a special, very short, but impactful episode on Saybrook Insights. Every year that I can remember, we've always seen little vignettes in the news uh, here, there, and everywhere about surviving the holidays, right? The stress, the strain of family, of the time of year, people getting depressed, um, trying to manage through all the to-do lists. Um, And I thought, what better opportunity than having Dr. Eric Wilmarth uh, on uh, Saybrook Insights to talk a little bit about how to survive the holidays. So Dr. Wilmarth, uh, we're just going to have a Quick conversation, some quick takes and uh, ideas for helping folks cope. I know uh, we're coming to the end of our own semester here at Saybrook and got lots going on. So we really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. You know, right off the bat, I mean, the, my first thought with a question is that it's, it's not the right question. You know, we really want to look at how do we thrive and transcend at a time of year when uh, we have that opportunity as opposed to thinking about in terms of surviving because and when you think about surviving something we're already have a kind of a negative cast on that and i think it's really important to recognize that we do that to ourselves way too often that we really want to look at the opportunities you know more than just the the challenges so so if we think about you know some of the suggestions on how to thrive during the holiday season i think that's when we can look at the positive things that we can do um uh, again, I mentioned another talk that, you know, social interaction, physical exercise, uh, doing anything that provides you with a sense of accomplishment, that can be individual t- to anyone. Um, some people are shut in, but they still have access to a telephone. They can call somebody they went to high school with and haven't talked to in 30 years if they still can find the number. Um, you know, exercise you know, can be done with soup cans, watching a TV show during the commercials. You know, there, there's always something that we can do that we're better off doing than if we hadn't done it. And so if we can kind of keep a scorecard of those things of, did I do something today that was a little bit more than I had to do um, and count it towards those things I can do to thrive during the season? I think it, it sets a whole mindset of positivity, which uh, uh, we certainly can use uh, in the world right now. That is for sure. So I really appreciate that reframe because I think so often you're right. We're we're talking about survival instead of thriving and uh, doing doing better uh, by being better to ourselves. 
And I'm going to just hit the dose of reality, Dr. Wilmarth. People come in like helter-skelter and, and stressed out. What are some things that people can do to thrive? And you, you mentioned physical activity. You mentioned social interaction. Are there some mind-body techniques that people can integrate into the, the, the holiday season that they might find simple yet effective uh, in managing through the stress and the strain of the period? Well, you know, the, the number one that just jumps out when people talk about that is breathing. Um, you know, we hear a lot about it, but there are some very simple exercises in breathing. You know, when, when you see somebody having a panic attack, most of the symptoms they're having are due to lack of oxygen. You know, we start to breathe up high, we breathe fast, we don't really get a good oxygen exchange. And so to prevent even getting there, people, you know, taking the time, even if it's a minute, three times a day, just to think about relaxing the shoulders, breathing from the diaphragm, uh, trying to get to a pattern where you can breathe about six times a minute. Um, my favorite exercise for that is to breathe in for four seconds, breathe out for four seconds, and then pause for two. That gives you a 10-second cycle of a breath, which works out to six a minute. Um, you know, everybody has their own breathing pattern, but that's a, a close one. The other thing you can do is simply to uh, think about the breathing from the diaphragm and not worry about how many you're breathing. Sometimes that gets confusing if you're trying to do it right. Um, so even though we say about six breaths a minute is a nice relaxed way of breathing, um, one technique you can do is to lie down and put a book on your uh, stomach. And when you breathe, the book should rise up and down so that you're breathing down low rather than from up high. Um, if I was with a group of professors, I'd ask uh, if anybody there had written a good book or has a friend that wrote a good book, and there's always someone who says yes, so I, I'd say, well, get that book, put it on your, your patient's stomach and have them breathe, and that way you can tell them the book was very helpful and you don't actually have to read it. So uh, finding ways to just think about mind-body uh, connections with the body included, um, slowing the breathing is probably the number one thing we can do for ourselves. That plus stretching and relaxing, you know, tensing, relaxing, because so often we get tense without even knowing it. You know, you ask somebody to tense their shoulders and they can't because they've already locked up so hard. So if you tense them and then intentionally relax them, that back and forth allows them to kind of let go and and realizing. And I'm a, a big fan of little mini check-ins during the course of a day. You know, most of us don't have that, don't take that hour to practice you know, meditation or yoga at times. Um, and we have all sorts of excuses that we have all these things we have to do. But it only takes about 15 or 20 seconds to take that moment, take a deep breath, relax the shoulders, do a small stretch, and just check in with yourself, and then go on with what you're doing. So, you know, you could do that 10 times a day, and you'd still have used less than five minutes, but it could make a huge difference in the course of how you build up over the day. So I love that. For those patients who are prone to headaches, they usually say that by the time you feel the pain, the muscles of the upper traps and cervical paraspinals have been tight for about two hours. So if you can catch yourself within that two hours and let loose ahead of time, that's that's a headache you can prevent rather than have to try to treat after you've got it. So lots of little things like that. I love those recommendations. Breathe. Take take time for yourself to do those check-ins and breathe. Do that tension. Uh, tense yourself up and then let it go and then Breathe, uh, what is it, uh, six breaths a minute uh, would be good. Now, I want to kind of get into a couple specifics because I think 
where we we kind of find a lot of tension in the holidays, not just with ourselves, but interactions with family members. Um, there is no shortage of political strife right now globally. And I think at the dinner table, I, I think the joke is, you know, uncle so-and-so uh, comes up with such and such and says a lot of crazy stuff that you may disagree with, or you may agree with, who knows, uh, but others don't. And you see a lot of strife that's happening um, also around relatives and relationships, managing through very, you know, some complex situations. Any thoughts on that from your perspective as a, a psychologist, as a practitioner, uh, and also just as a human being, how you've managed through some of that? Yeah, humor certainly has a role to play in there, but there's another phrase that's going around now called aggressive kindness. And you know, aggressive kindness applies both to ourselves, that we take care of ourselves, and sometimes that might mean removing ourselves for a time from a situation, but also using aggressive kindness on the people around us, You know, really taking time to recognize what the needs are and deciding the best way to go about that. If we, we act by reflex and we simply respond to something negative, we just build that, that negativity up around there. But uh, if you think about, you know, before you walk into a, a stressful situation, you know, what might you be able to do to diffuse it? What can you do to make someone else feel better? Um, it's funny how we, we use the phrase ego strengthening, but when you make someone else feel better, it tends to make you feel better too. So rather than going in defensive and, you know, trying to hold your own and win battles, um, thinking of the concept of uh, aggressive kindness as something as a way that can help you end the situation um, in any way that you can. The other thing is to realize that you won't always be able to succeed, that there are some situations that um, the, the best you're going to do is maybe just hold your own, and that might be good enough to not hold yourself to any high standard that said you had to do it a certain way. So, um, but to always smile to yourself on the way back and say, well, I, I tried. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that's all you can do. I, I think that's really fabulous advice. One technique I use, uh, in planning for my day every day is a stoic approach, which is planning for your day to fail. Now, that sounds counterintuitive, but it kind of ties into what you're talking about, where you think about all the meetings, all the interactions you might have, how could they go wrong and how can you like approach this in a way that will help it succeed, right? So you're, you're saying, here are all the ways this could go wrong, but here are all the ways that I can contribute to making this successful. And that aggressive kindness approach um, is, is really great advice because I think when you walk into those types of situations. I remember as a younger person, um, many years ago now, um, kind of walking into family situations and thinking, here's what I have to say to have the, the, the upper hand and the older you get, I think you realize, I just want this to be an enjoyable experience for my family and for those around us and for them as well for the people I'm, I'm visiting. So, and I, I think that's really the essence of the aggressive kindness. Aggressive sounds like a horrible word when you're talking about kindness, but it, it's not to go in passively to see what helps, but it's to go in with a plan uh, you know, to be very intentional about uh, doing everything you can to make a situation better rather than trying to be reactive to something that might already be out of hand by the time you get your feet on the ground. That's right. That's right. 
Well, I have two more, uh, and they're kind of connected, um, and I'm sure there's a, a probably a little bit of separation here as well that you can make out of this, but shopping and financial pressure, right? So uh, during the holiday season, there's a lot of financial pressure to spend money, to get the right gift or gifts, uh, to uh, lean into something uh, maybe a, a little more out of reach for some folks on the budget. Um, what would you recommend in that situation? How do people navigate those uh, situations where they're trying to weigh what they can do and also the perceptions of others uh, that that they may that those other individuals may have about what they've bought them? Well, yeah, I think one of the first things is simply to be mindful about uh, the impact that a gift may or may not have. You know, there are times when it really doesn't matter if you give them a hundred dollar gift or a ten dollar gift that. The impact will make no difference, in which case if finances are limited, then you want to take the less expensive one and be sure that there's some human connection to it. You know, a lot of times a, a phone call, a conversation, a written letter, um, you can even use the new code with cursive so that the kids can't read it. Um, but the uh, but that can sometimes have a lot more meaning than simply another package from Amazon to open up. Um, the taking the time to really think, you know, what would be appreciated um, that also might lead you to think that some gifts probably don't need to be given because it really wouldn't matter if they got an expensive gift or got no gift at all. It wouldn't change anything. You know, simply a card might suffice, in which case, you know, it, a lot of the trouble is getting over our own guilt, you know, buying our own self-satisfaction as opposed to the person that we're giving it for. So, uh, again, being kind to ourselves is the part that we're worst at. Um, we're so good at being kind to other people, but we really don't always pay attention to what would be best for us and, and you know, trying to put some reason at it. It's, you know, I, I can't say that any of us are, are experts at not going overboard at Christmas or, or of, of, you know, not always uh, using good judgments and things, but I think the more intentional we can get about it, uh, the better we can feel about it. Um, it might also improve the relationships with whoever you're giving those gifts to. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, very good advice. I think, that mindfulness piece is great. I, I think I can take all my gifts back to the store now that I uh, got from my, no, no. Um, but but I, I think that is so true. I um, One year I spent, and this is just for our, for our audience, spent time writing letters to uh, individuals I had not, you mentioned this earlier, reaching out to people you hadn't spoken to in some time. And that opened up relationships that I had, you know, closed off, not intentionally, they had just faded away uh, and they renewed them in a beautiful way. And I think those individuals felt a, a connection over the holidays that they may not have had originally. So I think it's a great way for family members that you're reaching out to, as well as long lost connections, people, you could really impact them. And that aggressive kindness, we're tying that back to, uh, you know, demonstrating uh, uh, care, compassion and kindness to individuals who may very much find that uh, important and needed. And it gets, it's a great example, too, of the of the win-win situation because that helps you as much as it helped probably those, some of those people that you reached out to. And you can't do better than that. No, it's it, it's great. It's uh, admittedly not uh, not fully altruistic, but it, it's important to have that uh, have that connection in your life. It dawned on me there's a there's a couple other things I want to make sure we touch on before we uh, close out today. Um, so three other big things that kind of play a role here is overeating, working during the holidays. Not that I do that, 
um, <laughs> and time management, because I know some people are trying to figure out and balance family, work, all that kind of stuff. So maybe just tackle those uh, in, in very short uh, bursts, if you don't mind, uh, for our audience. Well, you know, the, the eating particularly is one that uh, uh, the mindfulness is really important. Uh, I went to a, a, a great exercise one time where they gave us either a piece one grape or one little piece of chocolate, and then spent about 15 minutes observing it first, uh, noticing the texture, taking a little bite, feeling the, the taste, noticing what it had in the mouth. And as I'm doing it, I'm thinking the fact that, you know, in the real world, I would have had that three musketeers bar down in two chomps and then looked for the rest of it, not realizing that I'd already finished it. And here I am with this little piece of chocolate, and then, you know, from 15 minutes, I'm still savoring and enjoying it. And so that really helps when you think of the, you know, putting a small portions on your plate and then really enjoying it and savoring it, actually thinking about where we're eating. You know, as a society, we're pretty bad at that. We, we shovel more than uh, to, to eat. Uh, I understand in Europe, there's a tendency to always put your utensil down after each bite you know, we tend to load up the next bite so that we don't have to stop chewing long before the next one is in there. So, you know, the kind of the complete opposite of mindful eating. So I, I think, you know, certainly this is a great opportunity to practice during the holiday season because there are so many opportunities. People have things around there and, and there's not a problem with, with sampling and having small portions of things. But I think the portion control is, is the real crucial thing that we we really enjoy anything that you do choose to eat. Um because you know, of the things we control, we control what comes out of our mouth. We control what goes into our mouth. Um, we want to make sure that we actually take control of that. And maybe the controlling what comes out of our mouth will help all those social interactions as well. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Aggressive mindfulness and mindful eating, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, kindness. <laughs> maybe mindful silence, and sometimes might be more <laughs> mindful silence. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, well, and then so uh, following on to that, uh, time management and working during the holidays. What are what are some thoughts around that? How people can work through those? Well, again, I think there's that that moment to look at what's really important. There may be important tasks that you want to get done, but we sometimes use that as an excuse to stay within habits that aren't healthy habits. So, you know, taking the time to say this can wait till Monday or this will come back later on. So. You know, I, I, I probably am the worst person in the world to ask that question of because it's it's not something that I've ever been able to excel at yet. Also, I think part of where people find their satisfaction, because I think saying just work is not easy enough. There are some people who don't like their work. They're working only for the income and things like that. Other people who thrive on their work. So I think it's it's learning what is good for you making sure that you include, you know, family and others who are impacted into the, the decision-making process and, you know, coming up with uh, what's best individually for each person. That's a really great point. I mean, I, I think often you hear the adage that, you know, you shouldn't love your work so much, but there, sometimes work is a great, uh, I derive great pleasure from working on behalf of students and yourself and others, right? Uh, to, uh, but it also has a side disadvantage when you're impacting those individuals on weekends and holidays. And, and you know, not everyone likes to work like that. So I think it's finding that balance, as you rightly note, to figure out who are you impacting? How are you doing it? Mindfully kind of leaning into that, maybe even creating some sacred space or di a little bit of distance so that you're 
you're spending time away from the computer, the uh, the uh, from the office, and 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 taking time to manage your your time accordingly. Well, Dr. Wilmarth, before we close out, any other final closing thoughts? Well, just uh, to wish everyone a happy holiday season, and that uh, making sure that as you learn to take care of yourself and you learn to take care of the people around you, that uh, you do it with a little kindness, humility, and uh, you know, always strive to learn that skill of relaxing and enjoying what you're doing. All right, breathe deep, aggressive kindness. We're going to do it all, I think, and and a lot of mindful eating. All right. Dr. Wilmar, thank you again for your time today. Thank you, David. 